0: can see in countries that have used and started to use nuclear energy, how they boosted their economy and how many jobs you, you also create. This is Net Zero, a podcast by
1: the Florence School of Regulation about the energy transition and climate change. I am Joana Freitas. And in this series, I'm inviting myself into the minds of some truly insightful people with very different perspectives. We will be discussing what is happening across Europe, what are the challenges for utilities, what will be the benefits for the environment, and ultimately for citizens. Today, we are joined by Agnetha Rizin, Director General of the World Nuclear Association, to discuss what role will nuclear energy play in the energy transition. Agneta, thank you for joining us. Thank
0: you very much, it's a great pleasure.
1: Today, nuclear power makes a significant contribution to electricity generation, providing, according to the International Energy Agency, 10% of global electricity supply and 25% of electricity supply in Europe in 2018. Could you start by giving us an overview of the nuclear power landscape globally today? And also, if you look into the future, what scenarios do you think are most likely for nuclear energy in Europe? And what is driving them? Rapid shutdown, slow phase out, continuity or growth?
0: So it's very interesting to look at the nuclear uh, nuclear energy around the world because there is a very strong development. Uh, sometimes looking out from, from Europe, you don't see it because has not has not been, been any large new build for a long time. Uh, looking to Asia, uh, like India and China, and uh, also recently in South Korea, you see a lot, lot of new build. And this is uh, even a doubling. So if, let's say for 25 years, it was on a very low level, the new construction in the world and now it has doubled, so more and more reactors are coming online. So this is a very positive uh, development because we need a lot of new nuclear because that is the second largest low carbon energy source in, in the world. And uh, that means uh, it, it is contributing a lot already. It's uh, the nuclear power today, the total emission avoided if otherwise would have been using coal, is equivalent to to 2,500 million tons of CO2. So that's a a very large amount of CO2. Uh, And of course that is roughly like removing 400 million cars from the roads. So it is a large contribution and we need more. And if we look to uh, the development now, we see that it's picking up for the first time. We also have newcomer countries. Uh, we haven't had that for uh, for many, many years. and uh, We have now four countries, and uh, it is United Arab Emirates, it is Turkey, it's uh, Belarus, and it's Bangladesh. So you see also from UAE being a rich country with uh, lots of gas, they are thinking Nuclear is important for their future, for their for their children and for their environment. So they're investing a lot in uh, nuclear power. And you also see a very poor country like Bangladesh that also is uh, has started to construct nuclear uh, nuclear plant. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and if we think about Europe, what do you think will be the evolution of nuclear power in Europe mm-hmm. in, in the years to come?
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, so we see the, the plants in Europe, they are, there has not been really a new build for quite some time. And the average age is uh, already some some 30 years. Nuclear power uh, is the largest low carbon energy source in, in Europe. So it's extremely important. It also stabilizes the whole grid. With the large nuclear units, the, the grid becomes very effective and reliable and you get electricity 24-7. And what will now happen with the some of the reactors getting older? Uh, some countries have said that they are not going to renew. I think this have during the last year, this ch- trend is now changing. Uh, just uh, recently, the u- big utility in Vattenfall in Sweden said We thought before we should do 100% renewable. We now see we're going to use nuclear far beyond 2040 and even look to new construction. So just this year, this trend is now changing that more and more is talking about it. Nuclear is moving up the agenda and a lot of organizations See that there has been some maybe some dreams and hopes of other things to do, but see now we have to go with something that is proven and that is we have experience and it's scalable. Mm-hmm. You're mentioning
1: uh, the average age of the, the existing installations mm-hmm. um, and their role in, in stabilizing uh, the mm-hmm. grid. Um, according to the International Energy Agency, the average reactor is. Uh, 35 years old in Europe and 39 years old in the US um, with, you know, the original design lifetime um, was about 40 years. Now new, new nuclear projects, as you are saying, we haven't seen a lot of those in, in, in Europe. They require large investments, they have long lead times. Um, we are seeing some lifetime extensions that are generally cost competitive, um, but they will not last for another 40 years.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, how do you view
1: nuclear power in the energy transition context? Do you think that nuclear is becoming a short-term solution while coal is phased out and renewables
0: are still under development? I do strongly see that nuclear will stay for a long time. If we now look to US, uh, they are looking to uh, uh, having a longer term of operation, so they're looking for license renewals. They've done uh, for most of the reactors up to 60 years, and uh, they have also started this process to do for 80 years. This year, uh, we had in the world five reactors that have been already operating for 50 years, Uh, so two reactors in India, uh, two reactors in U.S. and one reactor in Switzerland. So we already see that 50 years is uh, is already being achieved, and there is many looking for the license renewal, uh, going beyond 60 years. That means we are not really in a hurry to to uh, to think about if these reactors are not operating anymore. Not because of the of the possibility they can operate, but we are in a hurry because the systems set up in, in Europe do not favor this investments that needed to be done. There is a, a lack of uh, policy frameworks that would make it uh, uh, very useful to invest in, in nuclear. And that means um, many countries have created subsidy systems, they have sort of destabilized the market, Altogether, most people say that the markets are failing. Uh, the markets as in Europe and also in some of the states in, in Europe. Because what we want from, from the system is that we want more energy sources that are have clean air, contribute to clean air, contribute to climate change and to also a reliable system. But the, the market as set up. They don't make this happen. And that's why you know that's why all these subsidies were put in. and now this is again jeopardizing the whole future. We haven't seen in the whole world, over the last 20 years, any total improvement of, uh, of the, the emissions of CO2. I mean decrease. We want to decrease. We haven't seen that happen though all these investments are made. So more things has to really to be done. And uh, we can definitely see that the the markets, as they are constructed, will not give us the future we want.
1: Mm -hmm. As you were saying, nuclear is a zero-carbon, dispatchable, baseload energy source, and in many cases is also um, an energy source at a very competitive cost. Mm -hmm. However, it faces difficulties in public acceptance. Mm And political support given the risks associated with accidents and the disposal of radioactive waste. In Europe in particular um, citizens seem divided on, on this issue. Um, for example in 2017 an opinion poll showed that 68% of the German population were in favor of the government's decision to exit nuclear power. On the other hand about 65% of polls believe the construction of a nuclear power plant in the country is a good way to combat climate change, according to a survey commissioned by the Polish Energy Ministry. Um, Given that there is significant resistance, I would say, in in Europe to the continuation of of nuclear,
0: how would you make the case for nuclear energy today? Hmm. So I think you've given uh, examples of a country that is very positive to new investments and to have a country that is really suffering from a lot of emissions from coal-fired plants. So in Poland, they will see that nuclear would bring them clean air and also very, very interesting and skilled jobs as well, and as well also economic growth. And in fact, many countries have this view. Though it looks like uh, sometimes politics is not really reflecting that people want these, this development. And uh, uh, that's where we see that Europe is uh, divided, but it's only a few countries that are uh, like negative. The public opinion is negative. Most of the countries, it is positive. And if we look to UK, for instance, you have a very good support for developing nuclear, investing more in nuclear, and they are also constructing right now uh, on several sites. The same thing is uh, uh, if we go to Sweden, that you have not talked about uh, building anything new. Uh, if, uh, and Sweden is very advanced both in wind, solar, and also in, uh, in uh, nuclear. And uh, people are, think it's a good option They they are supporting it. So altogether, uh, there is uh, support. Also, you see around nuclear plants or sites where you're going to construct, you get a very good public support. And that's because people get more information when they get their questions answered and uh, they see how it relates to them, the benefits like uh, about uh, climate change, clean air, Mm -hmm. but also the reliability and the cost and the jobs, then people are in favor of nuclear. And that's in most countries in the world, in fact. So it is quite a a good situation. Nuclear is important because of its characteristics. It's a very proven, well-established technology and, and you can show a very good track record. It's uh, uh, absolutely one, I would say the safest of all energy sources uh, c- compared to every energy source and maybe one of altogether, one of the safest industries altogether. And it's also where you have shown we have shown how we manage the whole fuel cycle from the uranium all the way to decommissioning and uh, this is also demonstrated and uh, and clear and uh, altogether again a very good uh, track record and also we can see in countries that have used and started to use nuclear energy how they boosted their economy and how many jobs you you also create there's been a recent uh, survey Uh, or research in Europe on how many jobs and uh, there is like two, three times more jobs in uh, nuclear energy than in the other energy sources so it means like it's also giving a lot of uh, good uh, development for for people as well as building universities and uh, having this this higher level educations and uh, South Korea is an example of that because when they started nuclear uh, development they, they were a very poor country uh, uh, and uh, still having fights with uh, with the North Korea still they say we need electricity for our people and they were able to to build a very successful nuclear program and uh, also supply them electricity to all other uh, uh, development I mean all their uh, IT industry everything mm-hmm. of that is uh, also based on this type of technology, and also access to electricity. Um, We'll we'll get on to um, uh, the topic of of, uh, radioactive waste, but how would you respond
1: in particular uh, to the public fear of serious accidents, like we've seen in Mm -hmm. Fukushima, for example, Mm -hmm. which is um, a very real concern of countries that have, or even countries that don't have, but consider nuclear power?
0: So there is uh, good experience from uh, from the Fukushima accident. Of course, a very, very tragic accident because of the very, very large tsunami. Uh, the experience is already that because of radiation, nobody has died. And there is no expectations that anyone will die because of the radiation. So there has been a lot of um, uh, actions taken and of course a lot of experience also moved into the whole nuclear uh, world, that means there have been upgrades in in safety, reviews of safety uh, for every reactor around the world. So the experience has been taken into account, and it's clear that uh, uh, the radiation releases, emissions have not impacted negatively on people's health. So there is usually lots of myths about, about the accident, and sometimes even... Uh, people believe that or people that died in the tsunami that died from the nuclear accident but they did not so that nobody was killed because of uh, of the emissions of radiation and there is uh, it's not foreseen to be any health effects because of that
1: um, you mentioned earlier that europe doesn't have a system that um, favors investment in nuclear generation mm-hmm. um, if nuclear is to remain as an energy source uh, the construction of new nuclear pan- plants faces two key implementation issues. Long lead times and difficulty in mobilizing investment. Mm-hmm. And what concerns funding schemes, um, for example, a regulated asset-based model has been lately under discussion in the UK. Mm-hmm. This model will allow, uh, would allow new projects to be funded from the moment of construction uh, through a levy on consumers reducing the borrowing costs for the companies building the projects. In your perspective, how can nuclear power developments overcome the issue of mobilizing very large investment funds, and which funding models have you seen recently work?
0: So we can see that in countries where you have a regulated market, uh, it's possible to do large investments. So this type of uh, uh, issues uh, in the deregulated markets not only for nuclear power it's also if you would do uh, offshore wind, which is also as capital intensive as nuclear. If you would like to build a new grid you also get into these problems. And if you like to do an airport or if you like to do a a, a large bridge or something, you get into these problems how to finance in in the society. And uh, we have a situation where the, most of the electricity grid and, and all the, the units are in place. But now if you need to add nuclear units or any other production unit, you need to find some fi- financing and it's not easy. So when you, there is subsidies in place or that's supported by governments with, with some money, of course, it's much easier. And we see now that this model uh, in UK, first uh, using contract for difference for the for the first reactor they are now constructing and now looking to this uh, uh, R-I- RIB model, that is a way forward. And we see altogether that investments in existing reactors is possible also. We see in uh, Canada where you have... Um, had uh, reactors that had not been refurbished for a very long time, even being offline. Uh, Large investments have been made to make them up to date so they can, again, produce for decades. And this is done by pension Mm -hmm. funds. So we see there is a lot of money, and we just need to have a a model where the risk is shared, uh, because if we are going to start new construction again, you might not know how how fast decisions are taken in the political system, you need a lot of different steps, as well as you also do that for the construction. So it's usually a time issue. If you can do it on a short schedule, it's not a problem. We see also that over since 2000 up till today, 90 reactors in the world has come onto the grid. And started to deliver electricity to people of those 90 reactors the typical construction time is five to seven years and then when they start to produce again you can give money back to the investors you can pay so this rab model will make it possible to give money back earlier before you start construction but still uh, then over a longer time so there is many ways to do that but uh, we haven't seen many of those because of We haven't had the need in Mm -hmm. Europe before, and the UK really has the need because they have a very old old, uh, infrastructure for electricity generation, both the nuclear plants and the coal-fired plants. And they also have decided to not build any more coal-fired plants and take them all offline. So they urgently need to do something. And to unlock the investment, in a way, is important. So I think this is just about to happen and people are just about to see this. And I think there will be many different models to follow. Mm -hmm. I wanted to talk about new
1: technology in nuclear generation. Mm -hmm. For example, TerraPower, a Bill Gates-backed energy company, is developing a new nuclear reactor that might use radioactive waste as a primary source of energy and is much more efficient. Could you tell us more about this type of emerging technology and how it compares with conventional nuclear technology? And also, do you know of other examples of novel solutions that are worth mentioning?
0: It's a very interesting development and nuclear energy is very innovative all the time. Uh, It's uh, very promising because uh, you can make more use of the uranium fuel by, again, taking the waste and use it again and again. So it is uh, a very interesting reactor model. But it's not new because it's already operating uh, in Belyarsk uh, in Russia. They've had uh, in operation for a long time. So the good thing is now you're getting more of these and in several different locations. And there's, of course, also other new technologies like small reactors, uh, micro-reactors, floating reactors. And uh, so there's lots of things coming because we need to have more options because the decarbonization task we have is so, so daunting, and there is so many systems in the society where there is emissions, for instance, industrial processes, where you need very high temperature heat, and uh, it's very hard to produce that if you don't use it with fossil fuels, but these type of reactors also can produce very high temperatures. That means you can replace fossil fuels in industrial processes and also other uh, sectors that are really hard to decarbonize. Mm-hmm. Um, if
1: we focus now on the topic of nuclear waste, although nuclear is a, a non-CO2-emitting power source, as we have been discussing, mm-hmm. um, radioactive waste is a source of apprehension. For instance, Greenpeace recently released a report on nuclear waste in which seven developed countries were analyzed. Sean Burney, a nuclear expert at Greenpeace Germany and coordinator of the report, said not a single country can claim that it has the solution to manage the most dangerous radioactive wastes. In your view, can we actually handle
0: nuclear waste safely? So we have already handled nuclear waste since the nuclear started produced more than 60 years ago. So we are already today managing the, the highly radioactive waste. We have done so for these 60 years without nobody ever getting uh, killed or injured by this high-level waste. So first of all, we are managing it. I would say the question is, can we ensure that we manage it even further into the future? And that is not, that's not not—that's not a, a very technically com- complicated uh, issue because we have the technical solutions. They're quite straightforward. The only thing you need to do is protect people from getting close to the waste. And today we keep all the high-level waste, in, in many countries at least, you, you keep them in some uh, in a pond and you have it there because you need to still cool it a little bit. And people can walk in that room, they can stand looking through the water. The only thing is between you and the waste is water. And you can stand there looking, you will not get any radiation dose. And uh, so we are already managing this, people can handle this, and it's already for, for a long time designed how we are going to take care of it. And in fact, Finland is constructing right now in, uh, uh, in the in the ground, far down, they are constructing a, a repository for the high, high, highly radioactive waste. So that's already this construction is already ongoing. Uh, Sweden has selected a site; uh, have not yet started uh, to construct because they are waiting for the approval first to start to construct. The method is agreed, and have been also is the same method as in uh, in Finland, and Canada is doing the same. Switzerland is doing the same. Uh, so there's uh, there is. It's not that we are lacking a method. Mm-hmm. It's not that we cannot manage it. It's not that we are lacking money. We have all those things. So we have we have we know how to do it because nature has already shown us how to do it. There are examples in nature of how nature has taken care of highly radioactive waste already millions of years ago. So it's, uh, we have the technology, we have uh, the money, and uh, it's very small volumes. I mean, all the, all the radioactive waste, uh, sorry, all the high-level spent fuel, the, the, the ones that you have used, the fuel that you take out, it's a highly radioactive. All that for Sweden is, is uh, in one building. Mm-hmm. And uh, you, you can go and look at all the waste that is uh, produced during 40 years. So it's very small volumes. So the, the more that it is the political decisions, again, the framework to, to get it uh, uh, decided on where to have it. Uh, in many of the countries that you already have selected sites, people are very happy to have it. Example is again, Sweden, there was a, there was a competition between municipalities who wanted to have the waste and the people in the municipalities were strongly in favour of getting the waste to their to mm-hmm. their uh, to their um, town. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I guess one um, argument that you hear sometimes is that even though um, the methods for keeping and for managing mm-hmm. waste safely are, are known and have been in place for a long, long time, um, nuclear waste requires uh, this very specific and very technical management for a very long period of time in the future. Um, and so the, the question is, um, do we trust that our civilization mm-hmm. and our ability to run complex mm-hmm. and uh, very security-demanding uh, methodologies will uh, will still be there in the years to come where, where that waste will continue to be um, mm-hmm dangerous for human mm-hmm. contact.
0: Mm-hmm. So that what we are doing uh, with the highly radiative uh, waste and specifically the spent fuel uh, is that we are keeping it usually in ponds or in casks or something where you can either have air cooling or water cooling. So that's not very very technical so the question is of course how can we make sure that this is lasting and that's why uh, many of the countries are looking or planning for uh, a disposal in the geosphere so you do it in fact uh, in the in the bedrock you and you put it there and then it's not people who's going to look after it it will be the rock itself and after uh, some thousand years it is the same radioactivity as the bedrock was from the beginning before uh, so the after uh, some thousand years you can in fact take it up and put it in a pocket you will not get more radiation dose than you would do from uh, from any other stone uh, but you should still not eat it it's not for consumption so that's why we are keeping it even deeper down uh, in the in the bedrock and in a way that you not, by accident, start to eat it or, uh, or so. Uh, nature has shown us that uh, it doesn't move uh, already. So, a uh, very long time, millions of years ago, there were um, natural reactors on Earth. And a lot of high-level waste was produced, and the research now have shown that this has not moved even if you do not put it in a capsule even if you do not put it far down the ground the radiative material doesn't easily move so they sort of stay where they are so it's not a large problem and it's not a highly technical problem it's it's more uh, a problem of just getting political decisions supporting uh, and choosing a good site and of course it's a long process also to discuss with people, because there are these uh, uh, myths and uh, fears, but if people get real information about how it's going to be done, it will be like if, for example in Sweden that people say, please come with the waste to my municipality, I want it here. To
1: end our interview, I would like to ask you some rapid-fire questions that you can answer with one or two words, or take a wild guess. Zero-carbon Europe by 2050. Myth or reality? I think we will get close to it. The future of storage, batteries or power to gas?
0: I would say power to gas.
1: What year will see the last internal combustion engine vehicle sold in Europe? 35. (laughs) (laughs) What will be the percentage of power
0: generated by prosumers in 2050? I would say a small part, I would guess uh, only 5%, because we will go into more electrified society, where we need electricity for more processes, and then we want it 24-7, very reliable system. The main challenge for utilities in the next decade is? To make the large investments they need to do, unless there is a policy framework that makes it possible to do these investments.
1: And our final question, do you believe that the Paris Agreement goal of keeping the increase in global average temperature to well below 2 degrees or even at 1.5 degrees Celsius above pre-industrial levels will be attained?
0: And if yes, by what date? I think we will reach there. I think we will do it close or just after 2050. We have seen some very good new trends. And that is, for instance, uh, the Clean Energy Ministerial they now have a work stream on nuclear energy, the nice future. The Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, uh, they have said uh, that on average we need two and a half times more nuclear energy. And in the middle of the road scenario, they say when we really electrify and at the same time do not disrupt people's life, we can have the modern life and we electrify more, we need five times. Nearly ten times more nuclear, and the IEA, International Energy Agency, said this year that without nuclear, it will be really hard to do this decarbonisation. And now everybody's talking about that, and we can see that this is a promise where nuclear and nuclear utilities, nuclear power, and the nuclear energy can, in fact, deliver. It has been proven already, like in a country like France, they started to build nuclear, and they did like in 15 years they decarbonize the whole electricity. Sweden did the same in, uh, in a 10-year period. They put 10 reactors online and was able to decarbonize their electricity. So we see that this is a new trend, that nuclear is more in the game. We need all low carbon options, but we, it will be very tough without nuclear. And if nuclear can contribute to its potential, we have a good chance. Agneta, thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much. Thank you for tuning
1: into Net Zero. You can catch new episodes, subscribe and rate us wherever you listen to podcasts.